Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Guide to the Uplands, public ground this week. And our in- industry insider uh, this week is Tim Frampton. Tim runs the shotgun division for Browning Firearms, so we'll get some insights from him. Historic, what's new in the industry and the company, some of those new models you might be wondering about. We'll also get some hunting and shooting tips from a guy who knows his stuff. Our road trip this week goes, well, just about everywhere. We're going to talk about some agencies that we might not have considered as frequently for public access. And then you're going to tell me about some of the interesting things you found up there, out there, in there, down there. It's all coming up right here on the Upland Nation podcast made possible by sage and breaker gun care products pointer shotguns mid-valley clays and shooting school true lock choke tubes midwayusa.com joy dog food and find bird hunting spots.com Yeah, spring cleaning, finally, finally got the memo on that and started doing some of it. You know, I've got a you know long list, maybe you do too, of things to do uh, when the weather goes sideways and you can't do anything outdoors. I mean, really bad. We've had a couple blizzards in the last week or two that have, well, just kind of you know, destroyed my faith in Mother Nature. I probably should be careful about that, shouldn't I? Anyway, so I did some indoor work, uh, which I've been trying to do for literally years. You can imagine, I get a lot of ammunition um, sent to me, given to me, uh, buy some when I need it. (laughs) I had uh, 20 linear feet of ammo on my workbench in boxes and cases and bags and bowls and Oh, well, you name it. Finally got it organized. The upshot of it is I've got a lifetime supply and then some. So uh, when the apocalypse takes place, uh, you know where to go for ammo. Come on down. Except for 20-gauge target ammo. I'll be working on that in a minute or two um, with Midway USA. But in the meanwhile, I did learn a lesson. (laughs) I started trying to get really organized and put all of those loose shells back in boxes 20 you know the the kind you buy them in 25 round boxes and the quick uh, and dirty lesson i learned was you don't have to do that alternating base thing you know one the one way one the other way if you are artful about it and are willing to cram them in a little bit they'll all go in no matter what direction their base is facing oh my you um on the other hand, I've been working on something else entirely. Yeah, a few years back, I was running Flick up on a, well, high spot, quite close, but not really close to us. Came upon a little memorial. Yeah, really, in the middle of nowhere, really. A couple rocks and a couple plastic flowers, and one of the rocks had a flat face, and it was, it was inscribed with the name of a, person and i i took a picture of it just because i found it so i guess touching interesting maybe slightly eerie so i put that picture up on facebook and asked if you'd ever found anything like that a memorial a stone or something i remember another one up in the pine forest range of nevada with a big cross with the dog's name on it that was touching as well um, Fred Slyfield said he finds a lot of those kind of things in elk camps. Uh, one spot in the Wenatchee Mountains has a family site with 14 family members' ashes up there. Ashes uh, also from Greg Shea. Uh, their father's ashes in his favorite quail hunting spot. And they hang a small ornament there every year when they visit for a hunt. Uh, Rick Horn, like many of us, wants to bury our dogs in certain places uh, where they were most happy. Sometimes that can work, sometimes it can't. I I understand. This is a, actually a very sad question. I'm kind of sorry I asked it. But Kyle Broadfoot 
found a memorial to a little girl, Tilly, who got lost and died in the Sand Hills of Nebraska in the 1800s. Stumbled upon that while grouse hunting in the middle of nowhere. Lots of crosses, amazing tributes, Betty Blackman says, to people and dogs. Yeah, all sorts of interesting stuff. Peter Wax found a giant boulder with some inscriptions on it. There is stuff out there of all sorts, whether it's golden eagle nests, memorials to a lost dog or a person. They're all cool. They're all touching. Thanks for sharing all of that with me, everybody. And uh, yeah, keep the pictures coming. Fascinating stuff out there. We're brought to you in part by PointerShotguns.com. That's where you'll take a look at their new case-colored guns. Well, the receivers. Uh, the whole gun can also come in a color. You know, they've got the coating available in various shades, as well as the traditional colors. PointerShotguns.com has the full array with all the colors, all the models, including that new side-by-side. So take a look at Pointer shotguns.com and if you didn't catch it the first time around the range bag from sageandbreaker.com is coming back they're making more right now did you learn your lesson sign up for the mailing list and you won't miss out on future sales and all those new product announcements do that at sageandbreaker.com And now for the good stuff, the product manager for shotguns at Browning Firearms joins us right now from, are you in Morgan, Utah right now, Tim Frampton? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yep. Lovely place. I've always meant to stop and fish. What's the stream right up there that I always drive past? Oh, that's the Weber River. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stretches in there. And uh, someday I'll be there at the right time of year for that. But usually I'm frantically trying to get to Montana or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, wonderful place. A lot of history for Browning in Utah. Um, many years ago, shot a pilot for a show for the Shooting Sports Foundation and spent a morning in, uh, in the museum down there. But uh, you're not quite there. Tell me a little bit about, uh, give us a sense of place for you right now, Tim. Sure. So uh, I'm in uh, Morgan, Utah, which is uh, just on the other side of the Wasatch Mountains from the urban sprawl of Ogden and the Salt Lake metropolitan area. Um, so it's kind of a, a cool little place nestled in the mountains, but pretty close to town. Um, we uh, here at Browning have a, a pretty big chunk of land. Um, when the Browning family moved uh, the company from downtown Ogden, uh, they bought uh, I think it's about a full section. I think what 640 acres or whatever it is out yeah, here, yeah. Um, and uh, gives us a lot of room to uh, to test new products. We have a 300 yard outdoor rifle range, um, a trap and skeet field. Um, it's a you know beautiful setting. Uh, right now everything's covered in snow. Uh, we just had. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I. I'm laughing with Prob- you, not at you. Yeah. <laughs> Probably had about uh, 10 inches of snow last night uh, and on through this morning. So it was uh, made for a little bit of a hairy drive, but uh, not something you really expect to have this late in the spring. But uh, it's been an odd winter, I got to say. But so, but normally when, when things are starting to green out, you have these nice snow-capped mountains uh, out the office window and, uh, you know, wildlife turkeys um huns um plenty of mule deer roaming around so it's a pretty cool spot really scenic oh i love it and it is beautiful out there and like i said i i regret having to blow through there at uh, while exceeding the speed limit most times (laughs) Uh, but i can see a lot of the buildings down there and i can see downtown and it's always tempting to pull over and take a look so someday watch out i'll give you plenty of warning yeah no please do how about yourself let's get a little backstory from you uh what do you do there and then where are you from sure so uh 
I am the uh, product manager for the shotgun lines at Browning. Um, so uh, what that means essentially is that I'm a, a product marketer for um, sh- uh, shotgun-specific product. And I don't mean accessories, but the guns themselves. So the accessories is handled by someone else. So if you were to buy Browning choke tubes or, you know, uh, choke wrenches, uh, shooting vests, that kind of stuff, that's handled by, by someone else. Um, but essentially, my job day-to-day is, uh, I mean, it sounds, sounds fun, um, and it is, it is, but uh, a lot of video calls with our factories and typing emails back and forth, so it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a desk job. I don't get a lot of time out in the field or anything like that. Uh, I do make time for that, but uh, it's not, uh, not my day-to-day by any means. Well, what do you do uh, when you do have free time? So when I do have free time, um, well, I have three small children, ah. so I don't have a whole lot of that. But when I when I do manage to get some free time, um, I like to shoot sporting clays, uh, shoot a bit of trap, not a whole lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess my other real hobby is just, just shooting and hunting. Um, so, I mean, I shoot rifles a bit, um, not competitively necessarily. But uh, always has been a passion of mine. Um, waterfowl hunt a little bit, upland hunt, um, and then you know try to get some big game hunting in a couple couple decent big game hunts every year. Well, you're a busy guy, and yeah. uh, you're talking to folks all over the world. Give us a sense of the Browning Company these days. Uh, I mean, your tentacles are everywhere, and uh, and and a lot of us know some of that, but not all of that. Sure. Um, so, you know, Browning's, uh, let's see, Browning, North America is headquartered here in Morgan, Utah, but we have other facilities around the world. Um, so we're actually owned by um, FN Herstel uh, in Belgium. Um, so we work pretty closely with them. Uh, there's also a, uh, all of our warehousing gunsmithing uh our service and warranty department all that's handled in arnold missouri which is a suburb of st louis um so about the company in the united states is split um about half and half we've got you know uh, half the company here in utah and then half in arnold missouri and then we have an office up in canada also that handles all of our canadian sales uh and then overseas we have uh, what we call Browning International, and they essentially handle the rest of the world. So we handle North America, and they sell firearms to everywhere else, uh, Europe, South America, um, the, uh, even you know, the, the South Pacific, uh, all kinds of different places. Um, so uh, that's out of Liège, Belgium, not too far from the uh, FN Herstel plant. Um, and then, uh, we have a factory in Portugal. It's a Browning, I mean, it's a Browning facility. All those guys over there are my coworkers. Uh, I work mm-hmm. with them regularly, yeah. uh, go and visit them at least once a year. Um, but they make uh, a good portion of our firearms. Um, and then another factory that we, we work with very closely that, um, makes all of our handguns is actually in Salt Lake city. Uh, they're not owned by us. Uh, but they're a, a, a very close supplier. Um, we'd kind of consider them to be a, you know, almost like a captured manufacturer. They, they only make handguns for us. And, uh, and the same is true of the, uh, uh, the Moroku facility in Kochi, Japan. They're um, more or less a captured manufacturer. They make, they make uh, Moroku product for, um, for the domestic market in Japan, and they also sell to Australia. Uh, and then in Europe, where the Miroku brand is still pretty strong, we actually, Browning handles all the sales and distribution uh, and marketing for Miroku product. If you were to go to, say, the UK and shoot sporting clays and you saw somebody shooting a Miroku-branded firearm, that's handled by us. We, we uh, distribute that. Um, so they're, uh, they've been a long-time partner since the... Well, I guess uh, right about 1970 or so. Um, they've been working with us, and uh, just got back from there two weeks ago. Um, so, try to make it out and visit them uh, twice a year, typically. But uh, now that 
all the COVID restrictions are uh, are up. I actually happened to uh, get to Japan the day that they lifted their mask mandate, so that was nice. I didn't oh, I bet. Yeah, you could breathe free for a change. Oh, it was nice. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's a political statement, by the way, everybody. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm just curious. You go to Japan. Uh, you you're making uh, you're making uh, shotguns over there. What what do you go over to do when you're doing that? So. Typically what I do is I meet with the, the team that makes the guns, um, both their uh, project managers and the folks that are actually in charge of the manufacturing. And we, and we just discuss different projects that we're working on. Um, the, the big thing really is we're trying to come up with new product or come up with ways to improve current product. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we essentially just make a list of all the stuff that we, we intend to work on over the course of a week and, uh, and hammer out all the, uh, all the fine details while we're there. Um, let's talk about that. And the other things that are new in the Browning world, why don't you, uh, restrict it to shotguns, of course, but, uh, sure. uh tell us about some of the newer things we, sh- we should learn about from Browning. Sure. So, um, I guess uh, Browning has um, two different times a year that we we really introduce product. Um, we have our what we would consider to be our, our workbook or our catalog product, our inline product. We usually introduce to the public right around January first, and then we have what's called Shot Show Specials, uh, which are typically limited time offerings. So you don't have um, they won't be in our product line necessarily all year. Uh, so dealers have a, a, a limited time to be able to place orders for those. And then we, then we deliver them throughout the year. Um, so when it comes to, to new stuff, um, I'll, I'll admit that uh, over the last few years, uh, gun sales have been so strong. We haven't introduced a whole lot of new stuff mm-hmm. um, intentionally because uh, we've had such a hard time delivering um, and keeping up with demand that you introduce something new, well, I mean, you're just taking an order that uh, it's really it's kind of difficult to fill, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, but as, as things are starting to get back to normal, we're we're looking at uh, introducing some some things. I can't really give you any details of what they might be, but uh, you know, we've got some. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, right? But we have some product that I think will be very interesting um, to. Uh, to your listeners so i mean if everybody wants to kind of keep an eye out over the next year or so hopefully you'll hopefully you'll uh you'll see something you like but um um you know one thing i will say though is that 16 gauge offerings have been really strong mm-hmm. um the last few years uh, 28 gauge hasn't been too bad um but uh, we've had we've we've really spent a lot of time with our 16 gauge offerings and have been very successful with them um which is you know which is perfect for the the type of hunting that uh, that you and your listeners do. I mean, nice light guns um, that uh, that I mean, other than the expensive ammunition, sixteen gauge is a pretty nice gun to shoot. Um, but um, if um, you know, if you're into, I know, I know you know, your listeners probably don't just upland hunt they probably go out and they shoot skeet and trap and yep. sporting clays everything right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we um we've done really well with some of our more entry level um sporting clays and trap firearms um we're really big into uh more of the youth oriented programs um trap shootings aim program for example um it uh, so we've got a we've got a lot of stuff out there that um, that really caters to shotgunners. We always, I mean, even even my boss, honestly, and we sell a lot of rifles, but he considers Browning to be a shotgun company. <laughs> uh, and I and honestly, I, I think he's I think he's right. It's uh, it's kind of our bread and butter, really. And you did make your bones with the superposed back in the day, and oh yeah, uh, and beyond that, who knows? But you know, even the the original Sweet Sixteen was legendary, and then you guys saw fit, I think, to uh, basically uh, resurrect it. If I if I'm, you know, anywhere yeah. near correct, what was the what was the uh, the the motivation behind bringing it back? Well, I think 
and this is before my time. I've, yeah, um, yeah. you know, there was a, another product manager that handled the introduction of that to uh, a five sweet 16, um, who's since retired. Um, but, uh, the a five was such an iconic classic Browning firearm. Um, and when it was dis when the, when the original version was discontinued, uh, in the nineties, they, um, they felt like there needed to be a, a new generation of A5. Mm-hmm. Um, such a, such an, I don't know, just a, a very, um, I don't know, just an iconic product, right? So the 16 gauge in particular, I thought, in my opinion, was a very bold move. At the, at the time, 16 wasn't necessarily all that hot, but... Um, but they felt like it was a part of the market that was not um, wasn't being sought after by our competitors, and still really hasn't been. Um, we're really the only only gun out there, you know, semi-automatic 16 gauge shotgun, um, and uh, needed a, a nice lightweight upland hunting gun is essentially what that gun is now we have since then come out with some waterfowl versions and there's been a um a better variety of 16 gauge ammo recently including some waterfowl loads uh you know not necessarily from some of the big competitors but even companies like boss for example uh that sell direct to consumer uh a copper-plated bismuth shot um i haven't shot any of it but uh, everyone that i have talked to that has used it said it knocks birds down very well oh yeah um, i've heard the so same. yeah so um, now that wasn't necessarily what we were anticipating you know we were anticipating that you know shot um shot shell technology would improve or variety would <laughs> improve but but a nice lightweight upland gun uh that hit pretty hard uh and was and was unique uh and that's really what we were going for and it's been quite successful i mean we've First, we had for a number of years, we had just two different variant, you know, um, two different SKUs, I should say, you know, our hunter, our base hunter model, um, gloss blued metalwork, uh, gloss finished, uh, just kind of a lower grade uh, Turkish walnut buttstock and forearm, and that sold really well. And we've since then we've come out with a bunch of different variations from waterfowl models, like I just mentioned, to our what we call our ultimate model, which has a uh, game scene engraving and grade three Turkish walnut. It's a very pretty gun. Um, that has sold really well for us too. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of expanded our offerings and it's really paid dividends. We've been very happy. You know, you've got all sorts of other things and you alluded to some of them, whether it's apparel or accessories or anything else. But, um, one of the things that struck me in talking with my friends at mid Valley clays mm-hmm. is, uh, you're now you're offering ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's uh, through actually through our uh, a partner company, um, mm-hmm. Olin. Um, so we uh, yeah we we do offer uh, offer ammunition uh, with the Browning name on it, which uh, which is an awesome thing. I mean, uh, it's good quality ammunition, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's been a pretty good thing for us, really, getting the the Browning name out there too. Yeah, and and you talk about Olin, and um, which leads to. Um... I don't know if it's in your bailiwick or not, but uh, you got a uh, more than a uh, more than a f- passing uh, uh, connection to the Winchester Firearms Organization now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So Winchester, um, so Winchester's actually under the same roof. Yeah. Um, we uh, no, I don't handle any of the Winchester firearms, mm-hmm. shotguns, or anything. Um, we have another product manager that works with the all the Winchester stuff, but, uh, but yeah, you're right though. Uh, so Winchester and Browning are essentially one in the same. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the, the relationship with Olin there is, is very strong, obviously, because they have, uh, the Winchester ammunition mm-hmm. line. Um, so we work very closely with them. It's, we're not, you know, sister companies and we're like cousin companies, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, but uh you know related but not very closely related right Right. so uh but we work with them regularly our winchester product managers you know on the phone with those guys all the time working with them um our pr team works with them constantly so very tight very close relationship with olin 
let, let's talk about bird hunters uh, in particular and, and the models that you have that seem to be resonating with those folks. I know you've got some relatively new things out there. I think Maxis is one of them. Uh, but even in the, uh, you know, in well, I remember it's been a while, but I remember when uh, when some of the new break open guns were introduced but what is really working for uh, for upland hunters these days from you guys so we have a, a a number of different products i guess that that we cater towards upland hunting um the the best that we offer right now i guess would be our a5 sweet 16 mm-hmm. um in my opinion anyway it's, it's probably one of my favorite guns in our entire line mm-hmm. um on the, like you said, uh, the break open guns. So we've got our, our over under product, our Satori, and then the 725, which is essentially an, an upgraded version of the Satori with a lower profile receiver. Um, we offer some sub gauge guns, 20 gauge, 28, 410 bore. Uh, we also, from time to time, offer some 16 gauge uh, offerings, um, capacity dependent a lot of times, but. Um, uh, and we also do an aluminum receiver, uh, which reduces the weight of the gun considerably. So mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to carry around all day long. Because as you know, you know, there's a lot of days where you're you're carrying the gun around a lot and shooting a little, right? So <laughs> most those, of them, those are my days. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> most of them, the right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that makes it a, you know a a nice product to to offer to someone that you know has to hike up a, a mountain to try and kill some chucker, right? But mm-hmm. Um, that's those those products are probably our 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 best suited for upland hunting. Uh, when you get into say the uh, the twelve gauge Maxis, for example, um, the gun's a bit bigger, uh, a little bit heavier, and it doesn't really it doesn't seem to be as appealing to the upland hunter. Um, yeah. So really, really, our A five is where guys gravitate when they're an upland hunter um that or an or an overrunner 725 or a satori how how about the whole um i'll call it the pandemic related uh bull market for firearms uh, are we seeing seeing two things a slowdown in demand and are we seeing uh the the supply chain finally catch up is it you know what what's happening in the industry these days sure um Supply chain was never the biggest problem for us, luckily. Yeah. Uh, we did, other than I will say that we did see some um, outrageous increases in freight charges. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, other, than, other than that, you know, we didn't get hit too hard with some of the supply chain issues, that you, these horror stories you hear um, from, uh, from some, some businesses, especially folks that work with uh, electronic components, for mm-hmm. example. Um, but uh, but the market was was uh, was I mean so strong. We our back order situation was was out of control, um, unbelievable really. And uh, it's tapered off, but still really strong. I've been kind of surprised. Everybody's been everybody I talked to, not you know not not just from Browning, but from other businesses in the industry. Everybody was, has been waiting for things to kind of um, you know crash or have some sort of a hangover from this, you know, this, this high we were at, but, uh, hasn't really seemed to be the case. It's, it's tapered off much slow, uh, more slowly this time, which is, which is nice. It's, uh, it's good for us. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, we're finally starting to get caught up in some categories and, you know, be able to deliver more effectively. Uh, cause essentially what was happening was people place an order and then have to wait you know, six, nine months to get the the gun they placed an order for because wow. there was, I mean, there was so many, so many, uh, so many orders. You just can't possibly fill them all. And, uh, the good, that's the good news that it's not that way anymore. Uh, we will be back to talk more about uh, maybe more hunting related stuff and some other gun related practical things here on the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden that's tim frampton he's a shotgun manager at browning lots more answers right from the source coming up as well as our road trip we're going well we're going all over the country this week on the road trip so stick around for all of that in the meanwhile a couple commercial messages first uh 
However you're upgrading your gun, you might want to consider TrueLockChokes.com. 15% of all Pinhoti turkey chokes through April, so you better get on that. It's coming right up. Yeah, I know. Right past income tax time. TrueLockChokes.com, 15% off. Take a look at all their chokes, including those turkey chokes, if you are so inclined, and I know one quarter of you are. And um, that's all through April. And then Joy Dog Food, new new sponsor around here. You want to learn more about them, joydogfood.com. American Ingredients, made in America, family-owned company, 75 years in the, well, in the hound world. But now they're reaching out to the bird dog community. It's available at feed stores nationwide. They've got a couple high-performance formulations that you might want to take a look at. You'll learn all that at joydogfood.com. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. Tim Frampton with Browning. Uh, Tim, did you doze off during the commercials? No, I'm still still awake. I'm glad to hear that. Um, You know, we, we talk a lot about you know, the technical stuff and the you know the the gadgets and the gewgaws, but we're all hunters here, and uh, uh, quite often I know I blame my bad shooting on my gun. Uh, it's not always true, but maybe once in a while it is. If you were if you were out in the field with somebody like me, or we were shopping for a new shotgun uh, for specifically for upland hunting, what are the things you might want to share with me in the way of knowledge or experience? Sure. Um, I guess one of the big things is make sure that the gun fits you properly. And I, and, and there's no way to really do that without going and picking up the gun and shouldering it. Um, length of pull is a big thing. Uh, one thing to consider with an upland gun is that you generally want a little bit shorter length of pull than you would for something that was designed for target shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that not necessarily all of it, but a lot of it's due to the clothing you're wearing. Yeah. yeah. You're out in the cold chasing after birds. A lot of times you've got a little bit heavier clothing on uh, as opposed to uh, a nice spring or summer day when you're shooting sporting clays, uh, when you just have a t-shirt. So you can afford to have a little bit longer stock to get the proper, proper fit on a sporting clays gun uh, or a trap gun, for example. Whereas with, a gun that's designed for hunting game, we typically err on the side of having a slighter, slightly shorter length to pull. Um, now, the, so just uh, for the record, what sure. do you think we should start with? You know, typically a gun will come with what, fourteen and a quarter inch length of pull? Yeah, typically, yeah. And that, is, and then the, do we want to go sh- shorter than that? Nah, it depends. If if you're shorter in stature, then yeah, you yeah, might want yeah. to. Okay. Um, so for someone that was, you know, in a gun, typically, you know, we have to build a gun to sort of an average person. Yeah. You know, we're looking at someone that's about, you know, 5'9", 5'10", 175, 180 pounds. What gun would fit that person? So, God, you know, if you're, if you're 6'5", that gun might seem pretty small for you. Uh, you may want to go with something a little bit longer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, you know, if you're someone that's, uh, you know, five, six, 140 pounds, you may, uh, that gun might be a little bit too big for you. You might need to either get a different recoil pad on it. That's small, you know, that's, that's a little bit, um, thinner. not quite as thick, I should guess I yeah. should say. Yeah, yeah. Thinner. And then, uh, well, of course that, you know, makes, makes the gun kick a little harder, but, um, it fit better. So. You know, it's a it's tough to say. You know, not every gun fits everybody, and that's why I stress going in and actually picking the gun up, sure. shouldering it, um, and seeing if it fits you properly. Um, and that's a that's a it's really shouldering a gun and mounting the gun. Gun mount is is a skill you have to develop it. Um, so uh, practice is something that that I recommend for people. I spend quite a bit of time actually um, practicing my my gun mount, mm-hmm. um, just because it's it's so easy to mess it up and and in the moment you know a bird flushes in front of you you don't have any time to really correct so you want to make sure that you're 
your gun mounts right where you want it. So you're looking right down the rib. You know, if you have, you know, a mid bead and a, fr and a front bead, um, making sure that those are, are nice and lined up and you're looking straight down the, the rib. So you're not looking on top of the rib or you're not looking at the, the back of the receiver. You want to make sure that you've, um, you know, you you actually are, are looking in the right spot. And that just comes from spending a lot of time mounting your gun. And, you know, I would think in front of the mirror is a good place to do that because you could actually see what you're supposed to see. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's not a bad technique. Uh, a lot of guys will, uh, you know, they'll pick a spot like a corner in their um, in, the, in the room that they're in and mm -hmm. uh, just mount to that, you know, to that one point of aim. Um, and then even, you know, check their swing, kind of practice swinging across the, the line of the ceiling. And there's a lot of different techniques. You know, you can you can look online on YouTube, for example, and there'll be some sporting clays instructors that'll have different ideas on how you can perfect your gun mount, perfect uh, some of your your swing and some of the other shotgunning um, techniques. But um, I guess back to back to to gun fit. Um, Cast is a big thing also. Some guns, like for me, example, I'm a left-handed shooter, um, and majority of guns are built for right-handed shooters. So if I pick up a gun that has cast designed for a right-handed shooter, I'll be looking down the side of the rib, <laughs> and it doesn't help. You know, and There's not a lot I can do. I can maybe kind of force it sometimes to, to get my face in the right position, but it, it's really uncomfortable. Um However, if a gun's more neutral or designed for a left-handed left shooter, it'll fit me a lot better. We at Browning have always taken a position of having a gun fairly neutral as far as cast is concerned. That way, it's easier for people, or, you know, just anybody off the street to pick that gun up and to mount it properly. Um, may not, you know, if someone needs an excessive amount of cast, that may not be the right gun for them. But in general, for the average person, that gun's going to fit better um, and fit more people than a gun that has a lot of cast. So, and, um, and just just so that everybody who's new to our world understands, cast is basically a curve in the gun stock. Can you describe it any better than that? No, that's, that's, that's a perfect way to describe it. So cast off would be what we want if we're righties. We want our gun stock, if the gun is shouldered for us, we want it kind of bending a little to the right. And cast on would be hooked the other way towards us, which is what you want. What I want, yeah. Yeah, as a lefty. Um, is there anything, I mean, I'm, I was at the SHOT Show and I watched 200 people mount a couple guns. No, this is at Pheasant Fest. Anyway, they'd come in and they'd look at that gun and then they'd take it off the rack and they'd put it to their shoulder as if they were trying to figure out whether it fit them or not. Mm -hmm. And and is there anything else we can do right there in the gun store or right there uh, anywhere uh, that will assure us that we're getting a little bit closer to having a gun that fits us? It's, um that's a, really about all you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, you see guys do stuff like uh, try to measure length of pull by putting yeah. the, yeah. Uh, you know, the recoil pad in yeah. the pocket of their elbow and seeing yeah. if their finger touches the trigger. And that's really not the right way to do it. It's kind mm -hmm. of a, um, I don't know, um, something that some of the some people have, have tried to tried to say was was the the right way to do it over the years, but it's it's really not. Um, the best way to do it is really just to shoulder the gun. And, but, but I think what's important is to, to understand gun mount and be comfortable mounting a gun mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you can tell if it actually fits you. So if you have no idea what a good gun mount is, sitting there and trying to mount it, you'll probably, first off, you'll probably be inconsistent with your gun mount, which isn't going to help you very much. And then not really knowing exactly what a proper gun mount is, I, I just don't know that you can really make the right decision. So I stress that if you're a wing shooter, um, spend some time mounting your gun and making sure that you're really consistent every time. When you, when you put that thing up to your shoulder, it touches your face, touches your shoulder, and you're looking right down the rib. With the correct eye. 
<laughs> correct eye. Just, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, the guy who fixes my computers, he's, a, he's an incredible guitar player. And um, he leaves a guitar on, on a stand right next to all the computers he's working on. So he can just pick it up and, and play it for three minutes whenever he feels like it. And I, I'm lucky enough to be able to do the same thing with a shotgun here. Um, because nobody's going to freak out when they walk in. Oh my! God. But but you know, having it handy in a safe place uh, where you can actually do that ten times a day, well, correctly ten times a day. That's the kind of stuff that you know, pro athletes do it all the time. Yeah. You you want to you want to win the Masters? You go to the driving range a lot. Um, we just we just think we are better shooters than everybody else, don't we, Tim? <laughs> yeah, I would say that's that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's Tim Frampton. He's uh, the shotgun manager for Browning. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, Tim, if you had to pick a an Upland bird hunt uh, without having to kill me afterwards by telling me exactly where it is, where would you go? And what what would you be chasing? That's oh, a, a good question. Um, you know, I, I grew up in California, mm. uh, so I guess I can say I'm, I'm a little partial to hunting California valley quail. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a number of reasons. They're they're fun. They're usually in big coveys. Um, they're everywhere out there, and the limit's 10 birds, so you can get a lot of shooting in if it's a good day, as opposed to some of these other upland hunts where you can only kill, you know, a couple birds. Um, you get a lot more action. Yeah, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I'm not going to argue with that one. They also behave well for a dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, uh, which um, of course l- leads to the next question. Off mic, you'll have to tell me because I'm working on it right now. I've got a California trip planned for for this fall and <laughs> and it's out to that country where you used to work <laughs> oh yeah okay so uh we'll we'll debrief on that how about other mistakes we make whether it's in buying a shotgun or in shooting a shotgun uh what do you see out there and you must see it all i mean you must be slapping your face every day over somebody's dumb <laughs> somethings you know um I guess other than buying a gun that doesn't fit you properly, um, I think uh, there's, well, I don't see people making a lot of mistakes, honestly. Um, that's that's the number one thing. You know, it's it's not like a rifle necessarily where you can, you can buy too much gun. It makes you flinch. Uh, you know, if somebody's, I mean, granted, you can you can buy a lightweight, fixed breech, uh, three and a half inch shotgun and shoot a bunch of three and a half inch shells and probably develop a pretty good flinch. Um, <laughs> those, I mean, they, they oh, they kick so hard. Um, but um, I suppose that 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 could be one thing is is people buying this uh, sort of new style, outrageously energetic ammunition, um, thinking that somehow it's going to compensate for some of their poor shooting skills. Um, you know, you don't have to get your leads correct or, or what have you because the, you know, the, the shot columns going 1700 feet per second or whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I would, I would definitely stress getting a lot of practice in as opposed to, um, you know, trying to compensate with, with, different fancy ammunition let's say um but uh but as far as as far as gun purchases go i mean you can, really can't go wrong with uh you know a 12 gauge shotgun for example is an all-around all-purpose gun if you're going to hunt waterfowl upland game turkeys whatever um but um you know that's if, if you wanted one gun to do everything um you know i would you know you're probably like me I've got a safe full of guns, so you know I always have to have one for one really very specific 
niche thing, right? You know, <laughs> so I'm always uh, always kind of justify another another uh, purchase based on well, you know, I don't have an aluminum receiver over under <laughs> that I can, you know, with a straight English style stock, so I better get one of those, you know. Yeah, so, I, I know the feeling. Yeah, very but, much. You know, if you're if you're an upland hunter, twenty gauge will do anything. Um, I've killed plenty of birds with with a twenty eight gauge. Um, you know, there's it's it's all about practice, practice shooting, um, and make sure you make sure the gun fits you. Practical advice from a guy who's seen it all. That's Tim Frampton. He's a shotgun manager at Browning. I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast. Tim, learned a lot from you. Appreciate that. Uh, We'll watch out for some of those new product announcements coming down the road. If they want to learn more, uh, what's the website address for them to shop guns? So it's a pretty easy one. It's browning.com. Go out there. We have uh, all of our products on there. Um, not Not just guns, but you can also take a look at all of our accessories, too clothing um we've got a lot of different products to offer and some great history on that site as well so if you really want to find out how this all worked and why browning is such a legend in their field uh lots of great trivia and interesting stuff about their heritage it's all there at browning.com tim enjoyed our talk Uh, appreciate your taking the time out of a busy day at a busy time of year to talk with us thanks again and um, we'll talk to you again down the road right here on the upland nation podcast Yes, sir. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, we still got more here. I'm going to take you on a little road trip, and it's going to cover a lot of country. You'll see what I mean in just a couple moments. First off, let me remind you we're brought to you in part by MidwayUSA.com. I'm reminded almost every day that they do carry just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. and if you're a even an amateur gunsmither it's it, it, gunsmith it's certainly worth a look there's all sorts of stuff out there whether you're a dog trainer bird hunter or you just want to tinker a little bit maybe with a new butt pad uh, based on uh, tim's advice for example learn more about all of their products and most of them will ship for free at midwayusa.com And our friends at Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School are standing by to help you become a better shooter from fitting your gun to showing you the move mount shoot method or whatever else fits perfectly depending on what you play. Skeet, sporting, five stand, coming soon, another game that I can't wait to tell you about, or just bird hunters. If you're headed for Western Oregon going through that area, Take a look at midvalleyclays.com, schedule a lesson or schedule a time to come out and uh, and shoot for fun at midvalleyclays.com. You know, I've been a lucky enough guy. Uh, I was reminded of this when I was working on, still working on a story for Gundog Magazine um, about some of the less common public access opportunities we have available to us, mainly because, in large part, the federal government administers lands of various sorts for various reasons through various agencies, some of which are fairly low profile. Uh, So I'm going from one side of the Missouri River in South Dakota to the other side of the Missouri River. Uh, there's a big dam and you can drive over the dam and so I'm about to do that and Flick tells me no we got to make a pit stop so I pull over there's a little park right there right next to the dam actually we get out and we're walking around I'm looking at this country out here I'm thinking this is incredible it is textbook sharp tail country rolling hills a few draws with some buffalo berries or whatever they are down at the bottom lots of tall grass tall being knee high roughly maybe a little higher and sure enough he locks up at the bottom of one of these ravines and up comes a bunch of birds out of that patch of whatever berry it was i'm thinking wow i'm gonna have to come back here i turn around i look at the dam and then i look at the signs it's a bureau of reclamation 
Yeah, there is such a thing. And and they're reclaiming water, I think, is what how that all started. But they and the U.S. Army of Army Corps of Engineers uh, administer, manage, some would say mismanage, uh, a lot of federal, gra- federal ground that is managed on our behalf. We own it. Yeah, the taxpayers, the citizens own it. They manage it on our behalf. Much of it is available for outdoors recreation, including hunting. You got to be a little careful, number one, to find it, because like I said, they are kind of low profile agencies. But quite often, nobody else bothers with these little slices that are along a waterway or they're, you know, by a dam or whatever. A lot of dikes, you know, the Corps of Engineers does a lot of water management all over the place, not just near a big river or a lake. But all that stuff is available to you if you just know how to read a map and ask the right questions. You want to be careful about it because, for example, they don't like you getting too close to some of those dams. And it's pretty obvious from the barbed wire and the electric fences. But other than that, check out the Bureau of Reclamation and the Corps of Engineers. That's real estate that most people won't bother with. And I would love to thank Tim Frampton of Browning for his knowledge, experience, and insights. Uh, appreciate that, Tim. Thank you to all the folks who comment at the social platform. Some great stories about some of the cool things they found out there. Uh, if you left a rating or a review, appreciate that. We are made possible by the folks who bring you this broadcast. Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Chokes, Joy Dog Food, and FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. I hope you learned as much as I did from Tim. Thanks for listening. I'm Scott Linden. See you downrange. <laughs>